And it's another installment of Live at Five Sports. Bill Dean uh, sitting in for Todd Burgett this week, joined by Jim Suhan of the Star Tribune and Talk North Podcast. And Jim, uh, you know, yesterday I think we touched on a number of things uh, with the Twins, but now that they had a day off and kind of get to the reset button a little bit, they open a series with Milwaukee, and then they follow that up with uh, basically back-to-back series with Cleveland and Texas. So, you know, really uh, the next, say, 10 games or so could really kind of ultimately sew it up for the Twins. Uh, yes, and I know Twins fans have been eager for this team to just run away with the division. The reality is all you got to do is win the division by one game. That's all anybody in baseball wants to do at the beginning of the season is win your division by one game, go into the playoffs with, you know, that advantage and have a chance to do well in the postseason. Um, so I know people think they should be up by 10, 15 joint games, whatever. They just have to survive. They just have to. It's all math. They just have to have one more win than everybody else. I'm just. I just like. I just like the fact the Twins are interesting and in first place. It to me makes all the games meaningful. That's what I look for in a baseball season: as many meaningful games as possible. Now they start a really good, you know, two game series at Milwaukee, and I'm really intrigued by it. Um, you know, the Brewers pitching has been phenomenal lately. Twins starting pitching has been phenomenal lately. Uh, Ober and Maeda going uh, up and. You know, two interesting guys in that Ober has pitched very well, but he's way over his uh, previous career high in innings pitched as a professional. Maeda, of course, you know, we didn't know how he was going to pitch coming off another Tommy John surgery. He's pitched extremely well, but they're playing against a very good team, a very hot team, uh, and it's a, it's a wonderful rivalry. I tell you what, I was downtown doing a podcast right before the Brewers played at Target Field, and they're just droves of Brewers fans. Uh, they get fired up to come over here. I don't know if Twins fans respond in kind anymore, but it's a really it's it's really a good understated underrated rivalry. Yeah, the days back when they were in the same division, I mean, uh, yeah, that uh, they could always be counting on one of the larger you know crowds, even in the the Metrodome, which was far from a baseball stadium. No doubt about it. Um, and I still remember going over and uh, when Maurer was on his MVP push in 2009, I was I'd been trying to get him to sit down and talk to me for a long time and uh, finally tracked down his parents. His parents were, I don't want to make it sound like they were difficult. They weren't. But the best place for me to talk to them was uh, they, they tailgated, as Twins fans, they tailgated outside uh, a Brewers-Twins game over, uh, you know, in what was then called Miller Park. I don't even know what it's called anymore. And I walked out there, and there was the whole Mauer clan slamming beers before a Twins game. And, and Joe found that fine, kind of amusing, that, uh, that that was how his uh, his family followed him around. <laughs> Yeah, you know, there used to be a lot of that, it seemed like, with, uh, you know, a lot of these parks kind of on the, you know, edge of downtown, so to speak, you know, like Metropolitan Stadium and many others. And, you know, I don't know if you uh, heard about uh, kind of the, it seems as if the uh, the Brewers are not happy with uh, their uh, current park, whatever it's called nowadays. And, and as I recall, that uh, was kind of supposedly state-of-the-art when they built that. Well, it was supposed to be state-of-the-art. Um, and, you know, it was basically a retractable roof. And the roof just didn't work very well, frankly. So it was kind of an embarrassment. Uh, I'm not the kind of person who bashes Bud Selig all the time the way that most baseball fans did. I think he did a lot of good in office, but it was not a good look for the commissioner to push for a stadium in his hometown and have it go through all kinds of construction problems. Um, and it was, you know, in the era of incredible ballparks, it was okay. You know, it was better. Hey, it was better than Milwaukee County Stadium. It was modern. It was better. Um, 
it was a pleasant place to watch a game, but it wasn't anywhere near Camden Yards or Target Field or so many of the other great ones. Well, uh, as you alluded to, the Twins, uh, you know, it's just nice to have them playing meaningful baseball. Uh, they had kind of fallen by the wayside, you know, by this time last year, and they really just nosedived, and, and of course Cleveland got hot. I was looking at the standings, and I know it doesn't really matter. They just have to win their division to get in. But, you know, right now they have the eighth-best record, and there are only 15 teams, so that's kind of middle of the pack. They're middle of the pack in the American League, no doubt. And, you know, like any team, they can look at their schedule and say, we should have won that one, should have won that one. But tell you what, the Yankees are saying that, the Padres are saying that, a lot of teams are saying that. Uh, they are middle of the pack. I also, this is another thing I think, you know, it's just logical. It's not a salary cap league. Not every team has the same wherewithal, the same income from local media. It is an imbalanced sport. So I think having the coastal teams in their own divisions fighting other coastal teams and having the Midwestern teams that don't have the same amount of income fighting each other for a playoff spot, I think that's only fair and only right. Yeah, I can't disagree with you on that. And and that's what's so amazing to me. Uh, you know, teams like, uh, like uh, Tampa just jumps out at you, how they're able to be competitive year after year uh, with the disadvantages they have. Uh, they're exceptional. Um, and the Twins have done a, a lot of things well. They have not developed pitching yet the way they were expected to or hoped to. Um, they just have not done it. And so they made up for it by trading a lot of assets for pitchers. And that has worked well uh, in that they now have a great rotation. They, the Pablo, Pablo Lopez is great. Sonny Gray has been very good. Uh, Joe Ryan was a great trade. Uh, Maeda was a very good trade. Um, you know, so, and, they, you know, they had, uh, what's his name? I'm, I'm sorry, I just blanked, absolutely blanked. Oh, Odorizzi, they, oh, they traded for Odorizzi. Mm-hmm. He did well. They traded Barrios away at the right time. So they've done a lot of good things. They have not developed pitching the way Tampa has. So the Twins have had to spend assets to get pitching, while Tampa is kind of the opposite. They develop their own pitching, then they trade away their pitching when they become expensive, and they develop another guy to replace them. Yeah, it's amazing to, to watch it year after year. Uh, the Lynx, uh, game again tonight, coming off a, a really rough one on Sunday after a win over that same team, uh, you know, on the road on Friday. So, you know, this is a situation now where, uh, you know, they they don't have a whole lot of wiggle room anymore. Well, they're six seed. Uh, the best they could have done is become a four seed with a good stretch lately, and they the Sunday night game really kind of took that out of the rotation, unless they beat Dallas head-to-head tonight, which put them back in contention. Uh, that was an embarrassing loss on Sunday. They just played horribly. Uh, it was bad basketball, not a lot of attention to detail, not the right kind of effort. Um, so it feels like they're going to end up at somewhere between five and seven seed, which means you're going to play, you know, if you're six or seven or eight seed, you're playing one of the top three teams. That's not good because the top three teams are absolutely dominant. Tonight will be a good test whether they can compete with the four seed. Uh, they seem to have a pretty solid uh, fan base that follows them game in and game out. Uh, uh, what's your impression of that? Uh, they they do have some loyal fans. They do. Uh, you know, listen, when they were winning big, they drew more, obviously. Uh, I think women's sports and the WNBA has grown in popularity in recent years, so I think a lot of people also like what the Lynx stand for, you know, equity, equality. Um, I, that's probably the best way to put it, equity and equality. So I think they bring in a lot of people who care about that as much as they care about basketball. But to really draw the big crowds and to become a big deal, you have to win, just like you do in every sport. Let's uh, switch to the Gophers as we kind of wrap up. And a uh, story in the Star Tribune today about uh, Mark Coyle, who some, I think, have gotten kind of the impression could be a little under 
you know, the microscope at the U of M, but apparently uh, another pretty major college uh, expressed some interest in, in his services. Yeah, we have a report that uh, that he was one of three finalists for the USC athletic director job. It sounds like it's going to go to the current Washington AD. Um, USC is, listen, the, their programs aren't what they used to be necessarily. It's still a plum job. It's still a, 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 in a beautiful place in Los Angeles. It's still kind of at the top of the profession. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Coyle leave for that kind of job if he can get it. The interesting thing is, you know, I think locally there's some dissatisfaction, in part because I don't think Mark Coyle's a very good public spokesperson. I don't think he comes across very well. And, and you know, I don't think a lot of people like the way he handled the, the whale in firing, even, even if you can justify the firing, which you can. Um, so, you know, if, I, I think, I think people here are still a little undecided about him. If you, if you want to, if there's such thing as an, a typical fan, I would say the typical fan isn't quite all that excited about him. There might be people around the country saying, Hey, you're doing okay at the university of Minnesota, which is a tough place to win. That, that gives you some bonus points. It seems like, uh, you know, they've gone through quite a litany of uh, athletic directors uh, at the U and, and, uh, you know, each time uh, when somebody new comes in, they're going to, you know, basically uh, really uh, turn things around. And I don't know if you look at the the overall picture, how, you know, their athletic program really isn't in that bad a shape when you look at, you know, all the different programs they have. Well, he hired P.J. Fleck when P.J. was a top candidate in, across the country. And P.J. has done pretty well. He's had one great year and a bunch of pretty good years. And a lot of the minor, I don't want to call them minor sports, the lower revenue sports have done very well. He hired Bob Motzko, who I think was absolutely the right hire for the hockey coach. You know, he's he's hired a guy who's very promising to replace Hugh McCutcheon, who did a great job. So it feels like a pretty well-run athletic department in most regards. The real question is basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Whalen couldn't get it done here. Her predecessors couldn't get it done here. Um, you know, the men's basketball program has been not good for a long time. And he admits it. You know, I give, he, he's absolutely honest with it. He says, hey, we got to figure that out. So until the basketball teams get righted, I, it's hard to give them full, like a, a straight A's on anything. Well, again, Jim, a good discussion. Thanks so much for uh, uh, some insights and uh, try to stay cool. It's, it's a full-time job right now. I'm going to go sit in the air conditioning with my dogs right now.